Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This episode references suicide. Listener discretion is advised. They detained me and tried to put me on a chartered flight. They tried to remove me the year before that on a commercial flight. Three big guys, one medic. I didn't know that I was being put on a commercial flight until the day before when I arrived at the detention centre. The nurse, she was the one who said to me, Mr. Hazley, do you know that you are going to Jamaica, Montego Bay? The way she said it was like I was going on holiday. Leaving their place of birth, be it through choice or necessity, is a life-changing decision many people will never have to make. With hopes of building a safe and prosperous life for themselves and their families, asylum seekers and migrants have journeyed to the UK, viewing it as a country teeming with diverse nationalities, cultures and religions, somewhere they can earn a living and find a community. For many, migration and seeking asylum has been far from simple. Through Owen and Mo's conversation, we learn about the experiences that led them to the UK the hostility they faced, and the importance of sharing their story to help others. This week on The Gap, immigration. Hiya. Hi, man. Mohammed. Owen. Owen, nice you to meet you. You all right, Mohammed? Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Excited, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're nervous like I am. Uh, I, I am. I'm yeah, actually nervous. Don't worry, you know, man. Like, don't, no need to be in it. <laughs> Both pin it together. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> Where were you born? So I was born in Syria, in a town called Tabqa, nearby Raqqa. And it's a really beautiful town nearby, a big lake, beautiful. What about you? I was born in St. Mary's Parish, Anato Bay in Jamaica. Mm. Um, all I can remember. Is it, I, know, I know it's a beautiful country, hot palm trees, everything, and, but last time I was there, I was four years old, so not very good memory, not very good memory. Describe the day you left your place of birth. Wow, four years old. I can't remember much. I can't remember. Like, I was only a baby. Well, yeah, four years old. What about you? Oh, so me, it was horrible. I couldn't say goodbye to my mum. I just had to tell her to walk down like this just because I says the mum couldn't see her and then just run away. So, uh, I, every time when I sleep, sometimes I keep remember seeing the same thing again in front of my eyes when I'm just running away, not saying goodbye to my mom. 
Wow, not being able to say goodbye to your mum and that. Oh. Describe your first day in the UK. A dream. I didn't believe it. And I thought, oh, that is not right. I'm in, I'm in a dream. I'm still asleep. I would woke up again and find myself in Calais. What about you? All I can remember is like, it was just different. For me, it was different. And like, obviously, the country I was from, there was, well, 99.9.9% black people. So I've come into the UK at four years old and I'm seeing different coloured people. So I'm like, wow, and brick houses and the roads and everything. And it was just totally different. It was like, and it wasn't sunny as well. It was cold. It was cold. It was cold. Yeah, <laughs> it's not cold. That's what I it was cold, man. It was cold, yeah. Do you find it easy to talk about your experience? When I'm speaking about my experience, I get a bit whew, clogged up, emotional about it. But I know I have to continue speaking about it because if I didn't speak about my experience, I wouldn't be, all, all my friends and family wouldn't know what I was going through. And all the Manchester community, the 107,000 people that signed a petition to release me from a detention centre wouldn't have known wouldn't have known what I was going through or anything like that. And when I speak about what I've been through, I want to encourage others that have experienced something similar, that it's okay to speak about what they've been through, rather than sitting there with okay. it. My experiences, um, you know, I've, I've done 95% positive stuff, and because I've done a 5% negative thing, I got held in detention. I got held in detention for a period of about four or five months. Then I got put on immigration bail. I thought everything was okay, but when you're on immigration bail, you can't work, you can't, you can't um, get any benefit. You, can, you basically you can't, do, can't anything. do anything. So if I was to be in an accident and I was admitted to hospital, they wouldn't give me no treatment because I need to pay for it myself. Basically what's happened after being on immigration bail now, I'm doing everything by the book, everything that they ask of me, I turn up regular, 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 regular meetings to sign on to report. And then what they tried to do was put me on a chartered flight. So now you got to understand I was that I read about the chartered flight three weeks before they detained me. So I read it about it, Frontline News in Jamaica Observer. It was Frontline News. And then three weeks after reading it, they detained me and tried to put me on a chartered flight. They tried to remove me the year before that on a commercial flight. Three big guys, one medic. I didn't know that I was being put on a commercial flight until the day before when I arrived at the detention center. They moved me from detention center to detention center. And then they told me, oh, did you not know that you're on the nurse? This is the nurse. I, be, I was asking them, why have they got me in this building? Why have they got me in this building? You know, I think things happen for a reason. The nurse, she was the one who said to me, Mr. Hazley, do you know that you are going to Jamaica, Montego Bay? The way she said it was like I was going on holiday. Like, oh, you never know you're going to Montego Bay tomorrow. Like, it was a big thing, like I wanted to go. I didn't know I was going to Montego Bay. And then within about, what, about an hour when I got checked into the detention centre, I was on the phone to my lawyer. And then whilst I was on the phone to my lawyer, I heard a big crash, a big thud in the detention centre. So I've just 
come out of my, because they put you in single cell and like, and not many people know their experience of detention centers. They think it's okay. They think it's this and that. You're put in prison, ex-closed down buildings, ex-prisons, ex-women's, men's prisons, where you're in a cell, a metal cell, which is like, and you've not even done a crime. You've not done anything to be treated like that. So I have come out now because I think them place is not fit for human consumption. Humans should not be in detention, especially if you've not done a crime, you've been locked up for something that you've not done and they're trying to remove you. Now, when I came out of the cell, I heard the big thud, like I said to you, and it was a guy who put a sheet round his neck and he'd thrown himself off the third floor. And I was still on the phone to my lawyer at that time. And I don't know, like, you hear about things, you know, I, I helped the guy, I helped the guy. I shouted to two guys underneath, hold him up, hold him up. Cause he'd thrown himself off. It made the knot on the sheet very tight. So if they didn't hold him up, I would have had to pull on the sheet to be able to loosen it. So they had to hold him up for me and then I loosened it. But you know what, Mohammed, they were meant to give me treatment for that experience. They didn't. All they were interested in was trying to put me on a chart flight to remove me out of the country. So they wanted me to go out the country in that turmoil. But you know what? Things happen for a reason. I didn't get removed. But further on down the line, like I said, I was there reporting, didn't get any medical help or anything. I thought everything was okay. I was getting a few flashbacks and stuff and everything. I never experienced things like that. And then this year they tried to put me on a chartered flight. And I think that's where everything kicked in because next door was a place where they had me locked the year before that. Mm -hmm. And going through that experience and they didn't offer me any help. And then to know that they were just gonna try and put me on a chartered flight without any of my friends, family or anything knowing was very scary experience. And I had to stand up and speak about it. I had to stand up and speak about it. Now everyone thinks, cause I'm here, everything is okay. It's not okay. I'm still going through this immigration problem. I'm still experiencing flashbacks from the year before. I'm having to seek a psychologist to help me to the question I think it's important to speak about my experience so others can feel it's right to speak about their experience. What about you, bro? When I first arrived to the country, I was, you know, seeing asylum seekers. So I was filled up with energy where I wanted to speak English and then go out and talk to people and make friends. And I had this, you know, beautiful life. I'm gonna make my dreams happen and again. I'm gonna study, I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna make a life. So I went to the college and I was, hey, I just arrived to the country. I need to, you know, I want to study. And they said, have, do you have an ID? Yeah, I gave them my ID. They looked at it and they gave it back to me. And they said, you aren't allowed to study after six months of being in the country. I thought to myself, like, what am I going to do six months? Yeah. Okay, I can go out and find a job and then practice my English till like, I would be allowed to study. I went out to also do the same, you know, went running around the shops the local shops in Bradford. Nobody says you cannot walk, everybody was. Yeah, we need walker, show me your ID. And they're looking like, you aren't allowed to walk, really. I didn't know I'm not allowed to walk because I can't speak English. And the ID there is something that says you aren't allowed to walk. Yeah, like a restriction, yeah. like, yeah. So I went back home and then I sit between four walls. I can't do nothing. But luckily I had a friend who gave me the Netflix, so I start sit down, watch Netflix all the time. 
since I woke up till I sleep. I have, you know, like, as is, you say, the immigration bills, which is 35 pounds a week. You have to top up your phone to call your family and your friends that who is, you know, back home. Oh, so that's what you get when seeking asylum. Yeah. Uh, that's what they give they you give each you, yeah, week. Okay. A week. You have to buy, you know, like top up your phone, buy protect for to wash your clothes, buy food, uh, buy clothes, you know, it's Christmas come and everybody on the street buying new clothes and you are like sitting down. I'm not, I don't celebrate Christmas. But in my country, we'll celebrate and the eight, and the eight is similar to Christmas. Yeah. You know, we all buy new clothes, you all go to your family, but you find yourself alone, sad. All the memories comes back to you, and then you think, you know, uh, am I, is it good to speak about my experience, or would it be bad? But sitting down in your home, in your house, and feeling sad for, for nothing, you know, like, well, just for that memory is coming back and then you're feeling sad and you think, oh, all right, there's a lot of people who have the same experience as me. Why don't I stand up and say that is my experience? That's what I've gone through, that is what it feels like, that is what is it. That's how sad it is, that's how dangerous it is. It, it would come to the point that you would kill yourself for it. You know, you don't know what, what time you're going to be able to work or study. Six months, you haven't got your uh, refugees or you leave to remain. You, you may say, I'm going to wait for another year. One of the guys that I knew in Cardiff killed himself. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know when he want to get his statement. He can't walk, he can't study, he can't do anything. He just sit down in the house. He can't even go out and talk to people. You know, he doesn't have the language. What he can do? He just put something on the top of his room, hold it up, Send a message to his sisters and say, I'm going to kill myself. They come back home, they found him dead. You know, I thought, well, if I spoke about my experience and let the people know what is going on, it might help somebody's life. I saw a few, I think two months ago, some boats crossed the channel from France to England. And there was on the news live saying, those people are coming to our country. And you go like, come on, there's a few million people are watching you. Why don't you say, oh, these people are coming here and it's so dangerous. Why don't we make it safer for them? That's it, yeah. See, you change. Why don't we help like, them? You like... change a huge amount of people's mind. Yeah, those people, oh, what, what if they died on the, on the way? What if something happened to them? What are we going to do? They would blame the people. They won't blame the, you know, it's about politics, the government, yeah, yeah, the yeah. way that. We want refugees to come over here, or immigration to come over here, but they have to speak English, where they cut 60% of the money for the English lessons. You want them to come here, but you're closing the open the border and make it safe. They won't do the thing that they have to do it right now. That's why I think about it. Yeah. It's just going worse, but you know, talking about it, standing up, facing the problems. Yeah. That's how we found the solution. 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Have you ever felt discriminated for not being born in the UK? Yeah, definitely. When I was younger, because of the color of my skin, I felt very discriminated when I was younger and stuff. And where I grew up in North London, back then in the 80s, there was like National Front and BMP and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I was getting called all sorts of things, like even in school, you know, you black this, uh, you black that. And once or twice, I felt like didn't want to be this color because of the way I was getting treated. But then I just thought, nah, as time and time went, people were just jealous of this color. Mm-hmm. So I'll stand up strong for this color and be proud of my color and be proud of where I'm from and everything. But yeah, I felt discriminated through my color. I've been in the UK for 41 years, longer than I've been in Jamaica. And I've done many, many things to represent for England, the UK, and, that, and I still feel that I've been treated and discriminated in a way because of my color. What about yourself? Well, yeah, you know, sometimes I feel you still have this judgment about your skin color. The minute that you go a little bit darker, you know, there's still a lot of people who loves, you know, who doesn't care about what you look like, yeah, what yeah. your skin colors look like, but still a few people who feel jealous or feel bad that you are doing better than them, you know. Uh, when I first arrived to the country, I didn't speak English as good as I do right now. So I joined the college, and in my college, I had my friend, I got to meet new people, they're all young, and I wanted to make a life, you know. I came here, I don't know how long I'm, I'm here for, but yeah. as long as I'm here for, I wanted to make some friend where I could feel that I belong to. I had one friend over at my flat, and then uh, he just exploded on my face, saying, hey, nobody believes your issue, you should off to your country. Wow. And uh, yeah, nobody lives like, like Yeah, close and start throw stuff at me like this. And then go, I'm from Hackney. Wow. And I goes like, you should go out. I can't have you in my house. You have just been so racist to me. And I'm in your, your friend. Home. Yeah. In your own home uh, as like, well. Uh, you know, wow. it, uh, he went out and he started talking. Uh, one of my classmates also saw him in the street crying and she said, what's, what are you doing over here? And he was like, Mohammed, he tried to drug me and give me a lot of alcohol and he wanted to kill me, he's the nicest person. And wow. she was like, that is all rubbish. Mohammed just was giving you a house to stay because you have to travel a long way to come back to college tomorrow and now you're saying this. So she came back home and I said the story and she was like, that is weird. A few months later, one of the guys as well in my in my class, the same. We stayed a friend with a few of them, you know, just tell all oh, those people are really good. One of them, come, they came to visit me and then we sat down having a chat. And then he asked me, what do you think of England? Is it good or bad? The minute that you ask this question, you would expect any answer, right? Yeah, yeah. The answer that I said, I don't know what to say. It's not bad, but it's not good enough. Yeah, when, said, when you have problems, yeah, issues like that. Issues like, like that. You, yeah. you can't, I can't say it's brilliant, it's great, everybody's lovely. It's not. And it's not bad till the point that if you walk on the street, everybody doesn't like you. you know, there's people who like you, there are people who want to chat with you. There's yeah, yeah, people, sure. people who is open. So he just said, fuck off to your country then. 
I was like, wait, so you asked me the questions and you Someone asking you yeah, questions. Yeah, like, and you, you want the answers, wow. so you should expect it, yeah. But you still feel that the judgment, that the weird look that people look at you when you walk into a bar, into a coffee yeah. shop, into like any shop. Till you sit down on the table and you order, and even when you have food, they still look at you. But it's life, you have to just deal with it. What do you do for work? I work with Mosaics, which is a business we started. Me, my aunt, like five of my friends, we were in Calais. And we had the same food that we had in Calais, we started to sell it over here. Everybody sits together, share the food and share a story here, you know, talk to other people, yeah, yeah. meet other friends, you know, people that you don't know who they are. We're gonna mix you together, sit, share the food, hummus and that kind of things. So basically, me and my friend, it was really, uh, it was a night time and we were asleep in Cali in the jungle. And we thought, let's go and try. And I didn't really want to go out and, you know, make a drive to come to England because it was so, like, night, cold and raining. So we decided to go, we go and we go. And a group of people, we were five. We ran behind the, the border and then we saw the ferry which is far from us, about 100 or 150 meter. When you see the ferry, and oh, this ferry is going to England, we're gonna make it. There's a huge door on the back we have to, to climb. So my friend, I, I hold the door, my friend climbed up and jumped easily. And then when I climbed up, the door started to move forward and backward. So I haven't had a chance only to jump forward or like fell down on my back. I can't fall my back because I will hurt my head. I can't control it. So I thought to jump in. I had the, the long shoes. So when I jumped from the high, it was like about, I don't know, between two to five meters. I'm not sure how, how, how long it is, how high. So when I jumped, I came down to the, to the floor like this. And then from here, from the ankle here, everybody heard, you know, when you have the silent like the second of silence, there's no voice, and then you have So my friend were with me, and that one of them is 17 years old or 16, and the, the rest was like over, over 18. So he said he was going to make it to the UK anyway because safe passage was helping him to get through. He got on his sister over here, so he's gonna make it anyway. The government will accept him. Uh, but me and my friend, we couldn't. So I, when I jumped, the security came. We stood up waiting, I can't move my legs. So my, I said to my friend, run, run away. And they said, no, no, we're gonna make it all together. I was like, we can't make it all together. He put me on his back and he started running. While he's running, my leg is moving. And when it's moving, it was so painful. I couldn't help the pain. It was like really hard pain. So I said, hey, wait, put me down. I lied down and I was like, you go. And he was like, no, I'm not going. We made a promise, me and you are gonna make it together to the UK. And I said, it doesn't really matter. That is the ferry and it's going down. You should go up. Do make your way there, and then I will meet you in the UK if I make it. If not, no, but don't stop your chance, it's your opportunity. And he ran away anyway. Me and that guy who's 17, he stayed with me, and they called the ambulance. We went to the hospital. It was so funny. I don't know, like, France had a lot of good people, but at the same time, there's a lot of bad people. And when we went to the hospital, the ambulance were really, really nice people. The hospital, we asked for the doctor. The doctor's asleep. And I was like, will you wake him up? And I was like, no, you just wait till he wake up. That was at 2 a.m. I waited till 5 for the broken leg. And nobody came, no one. And I was like, where's the doctor? And they were, he's asleep. 
you have to wait. So I said, okay, I'm gonna go back to the jungle. I can't wait with a broken leg. I've been here for three hours. You don't seem that you wanna help me at all. So go a taxi, go back to Calais. The taxi driver, it was a 20 pound. And that time when he saw I couldn't walk on my leg, he was like, just give me 10 pound, whatever you have. So I took from my pocket nine euro, not pound, nine euro, and give it to him. I couldn't, you know, I stayed for two nights with a broken leg. The doctor come at the end from the jungle, they deal with it, you know, they put some plastic and some plaster around it, and they said, you can't move for six weeks. You know, six weeks, I'm in a shelter, you know, a shelter that you won't even give it for chicken, you know, where chicken lives. Yeah, you would make a yeah. better shelter for them. And I had to stay for six weeks, I can't move. This, my friend, he was like, okay, we're gonna cook something to eat. And we start to make food. That is the idea. At that time, he started to look after me, cook for me food. We ended making it together to the UK, and then we ended, and I was like, why we don't make this thing? It's just made, the food made by love. It didn't, you didn't plan to be a chef. You didn't plan to, to do, just, to just make it. Yeah, like, just, just do it. it. And last day, sitting up, yeah. Last weekend, it was the, no, yeah, last weekend was the first anniversary of the business. Wow. wow. Which is pretty good, yeah. Wow, congratulations, man. Thank you. Keep it up, man. Well, 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 I've, yeah. I've got to come down for some, innit? Welcome. <laughs> what about you? Right, okay, so I don't, I don't work, because obviously I can't work, um, but I do music, because I'm on a music platform, which I now use the music platform as a platform to basically get my voice heard for the voiceless who can't stand up and speak. And I've just launched a music label called Stand Up Speak Out, which is for the voiceless. And it's basically encouraging individuals, whether they've been through experiences like ourselves, or they're going through some mental health issues or drug use issues, that they can use this platform to get their voices heard via music. And I support a few local music nights, but the whole Stand Up Speak Out thing is just basically, it's a voice for the voiceless. Do you have a defense mechanism for ignorant people? I just keep walking, I don't talk. Yeah, ignore. Them. Ignore them. That's because if, if you start something, these people want you to, you know, if, if someone walk at you and then say something, they want you to start a fight. Have a laugh, you know, like what they talk about. Laugh, they don't understand, they don't it. understand what is it, you know. Like hit they, him back with, they, hit they, him back they, with kindness, uh -huh. man. Get it over, mix it with love, 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 love. <laughs> <that's laughs> <sad. laughs> And the same, like, if I was to respond, react to every person that was ignorant towards me, I'd be very poorly. So I just, I just flip it back on them with a smile, ignore them. And this isn't swearing, by the way, but I give them the V's up. Yeah, that doesn't mean F off. That just means keep it positive. That's how I live it. Keep it positive, not negative. <laughs> Why do you want to tell your story? Just awareness, like just to let individuals who have been through similar experience or the same experience to know it's wrong how we've been treated and it's right to stand up and speak about how we've been treated. I've not been treated fairly. And if they're trying to say to me, well, you would have been treated fairly if I had a British passport, that to me isn't good enough. Mm -mm, that's not a good reason. Because there's many who have a British passport and they just keep on repeat, 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 repeat offending. Don't care about the country, don't care about anything. I'm not one of them. I care about where I live. I made one mistake. I deserve a second chance. I've been here for 41 years. I'm on an immigration bill. I can't work. I've got three children. I've got three children. 
What about yourself? Everything was good for me. I had a life, my, my family, my dad, my mom, my sibling, all of everybody's around me, I had friends. Why would I choose to leave all this love that I had and then come to, a way, to somewhere that I don't know anybody? And not just coming on, you know, I have been here before, I came here for visit and I know some people here already and then I come for looking for a job. I just had to do all of this thing. I didn't choose it. You know, I, I, I'm not, if I choose, I would choose to fly from Syria to here for a week, get to know them, you know, the life over here and then go back to my country. Telling my story to other people, you know, make awareness. I have been on a boat, on a sea, stuck, stuck in the sea for seven hours. No one knows what I'm gonna do, calling the police. The Greece said, you aren't in the Greece border, we can't do anything. And the Turkish, they say the same way in the international water. Nobody will do anything for you. Wow, so just leave Start, you there. They just leave you there. Leave I stopped for six, seven hours. I don't know what to do. You know, your mind would go just, there's kids with me. We were like 75 people in a boat. Can't fit more than 30 person. You know, everybody's stuck the same. Your friend is next to you. There's kids. Your mind just go, well, what should I do? I know how to swim. My kids just leave them and then swim to the side. But you can't see a land. You can't drink even a little bit of water in the sea. You know, it's salty. Yeah. And you think of the kids. You'd be sick, man. You'd be, uh -huh. If you, you think of the kids, well. well, would I take those kids with me and then go to the other side, drive if something happened to the boat? Shall I take this woman? She's pregnant. Or, or what, what I'm going to do? What, what is the thing that I would... I would do in this situation, you don't know. So standing up, saying what's going on, and trying maybe to make a difference. Change, yeah, yeah difference, even like, if it's one or two. Like, even if it's more, yeah. there, you might save other people's life, which is, I think, why not? If you can't save somebody's life or you can help other people, it's not that I should stand up. I'm strong enough to stand yeah. up and talk about it and face my problem. I had done a lot of things that is, so hard to be done. So I'm not that weak. I can face my problem. I can deal with it. I can do a lot of things. That's the reason. Brilliant, man. Brilliant. Keep on doing it, man. I'm, I'm not going to stop at all. Keep man. on doing it. You know what I mean? And we're going to even have to work together, man. We've got to yeah, keep that we keep spreading that spread. word and uh -huh. spreading that love out there. We should spreading stand that shoulder by man. shoulder. Trust, man. Look, we do that now, innit? Shoulder by shoulder. Shoulder by shoulder. Shoulder by shoulder, we can make it. That's love. it. One love. One love. Sweet. Sweet. We hope you've enjoyed the first series of The Gap. Thanks go to all of our contributors who have shared their stories and experiences so openly and honestly. We'll be back soon with a second series, so make sure you're subscribed in order to be notified of new episodes. Catch you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.